And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. We have an awesome show today. Unfortunately, the show that, uh, that we're putting together, folks, is uh, it's a great show because we're going to be peeling back the onion on a bunch of crap, basically, that's going on not only in Georgia but also the country. Um, I've, I've been, been, been looking at a lot of the, the, the bills that have been going not just national, but local. And the danger, folks, as you all know, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in the Republican Party principles. The danger that I'm seeing right now from Republican sponsorship of several bills, locally and nationally, is that we are doing irreparable damage to the Republican brand. When you run on a platform of limited government and lower regulation and pro-free market, pro-spirit of competition, give consumers choices. And then out of the other side of your mouth, you push legislation that is the polar opposite of these tenets, that these Republican Party platforms. You are losing the next generation of Republican voters. We, we, we will not stand by and support the cronyism that is endemic in almost every facet of our lives. I didn't think think I was going to go on a rant today, but uh, I think I might. David, you like to do the rant and rave in the morning. I uh, there's a lot going on. I, I we've got Michael Harden, a director from Americans for Prosperity, calling in about two fifteen, and we are going to be talking about all of these issues, all these salient issues going on, that it's not just Republicans. Americans for Prosperity is actually a nonpartisan group, and frankly, I can't blame them because the Democrats love big government. They don't shy away from it. Republicans say they, they, they want limited government, yet they do the exact opposite in many cases. So I don't blame Americans for Prosperity for not wanting to identify with either party. And the Libertarians, well, if they could ever get their act together... Maybe they, they'd actually be able to accomplish something, but they, they have trouble running candidates in multiple years that, that have been on a ballot before. So I don't know, man. David, I, you can tell I'm a little fresh. I'm fired up. I, I am fired up, but I'm frustrated. And uh, people wonder why I make big deals out of like this, this anti-transportation uh, freedom bill. The reason why is because these are metaphors for much larger things. When you have six Republicans sponsoring a bill right now that would put Uber and Lyft out of business by July 1st in the state of Georgia, and Republicans claim limited government, limited regulation, what kind of message does that send? What kind of message does that send to other businesses that may have a disruptive uh, technology advantage that comes in? And they look at this and say, well, the Republicans are in control of Georgia, and look what they did to Lyft and Uber. Well, there's a very easy answer to it, Greg, and and I I think you probably already know what it is. And that easy answer is um, follow the money. And uh, it it is a terrible, terrible shame. But whether it's Democrat or Republican, it's very easy to find the source of what's going on, and that's by following the money. And why would somebody want to put Uber out of business? Because somebody under the table or even above the table is giving them money 
to promote getting somebody, getting the right. competition out of business. Exactly. And, you know, this it, it's, it's a crying shame, but uh, it's human nature, and it all comes back to how much... How much to, is it going to cost me to buy you off? Is it pay to play here? You know, is it's that, is that how much it costs? It yep. is. Uh, you know, I, I, I I'm uh, I'm in the mortgage business. My regular job. I'm used to looking at numbers. I, I majored in journalism at University of Georgia, so I know how to do a little investigative work. And and my investigations so far for some of these bills is, it's, they're really not trying to hide stuff. They are actively taking donations. From the, from the taxi cab cartel and other interested parties, and then writing bills the next session that that would defeat their competition, and they're doing this through legislation, through through onerous legislation, and not saying let's look at the problems that these companies are having with overregulation. But I mean, why not why not release some of the regulations on these other companies and free them up a little bit, David? I mean that that would make sense to me. It's easier to repeal stuff than to pass stuff. I mean, m- most people would agree with that. You know, this is <clears throat> I harped on this uh, on other shows as well. But uh, when my wife, who is basically semi apolitical. Um, but when she wakes up and, and is watching TV as I'm watching Fox or whatever, I, <laughs> not wakes up, when she pulls her nose out of her book that she's reading <laughs> and is listening to Waters World, it's down in Florida interviewing young folks, and, and his question last night was, well, what do you think of the Taliban? Who is the Taliban? And the answers, none, none of the people that he asked that question to got anywhere close. Well... Well, I believe they're band. I believe they're playing over around the corner at, at Joe's Bar and Grill. Ta- Taliban? I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not sure what band that is. Where, where do they play? <laughs> the Taliban. The Taliban. That's awesome. <laughs> so, and and my wife looks at me and says, "This isn't real, is it?" And I said, "It's worse than real. These are the people that are going to be running the country. These are the people that can vote." And they have no clue about what's going on. Now, and when you have a situation like that, it just makes the cancer that you're talking about grow faster. Mm-hmm. It will be through, and it is throughout the country. I, Metast- you know, metastasizing. Metastasizing. And I was just talking to my best friend out in Portland. And they're gay, or well, he's not gay, but they're governor out there is in so much trouble after winning easily in November. I mean, he won without any Democrat, mm-hmm. liberal as hell. The first lady he's not married to, he's just called her that. <laughs> She's lawyered up now because she sees some smoke on the horizon coming their way mm-hmm. because of the... She has gotten some incredible jobs. He's, he's in his second or third or fourth term as mm-hmm. governor of, of Oregon. <laughs> and the jobs this lady has gotten probably with healthy signing bonuses too, right? Oh yeah, it's just and but she's lawyering up. He's trying to protect the protect his backside, and she's in Europe uh, at some kind of kindness conference. So you know, <laughs> it's everywhere. Well, it, it's did you everywhere. See, did you see in Forsyth County? I think the the mayor of Cumming, Georgia. He has his little girlfriend or whatever who's getting benefits from um, 
uh, the city council like full health benefits, like some, and it's been going on for for a decade, and it's tens of thousands of dollars, and and she's not legally supposed to do. It. She's not legally an employee. She's just the mayor's uh, main main mm-hmm. squeeze. Yeah, and uh, so so that's who knows that guy's probably. I'm I'm guessing he's a Republican, but you're destroying the brand. And right now, Americans really only have. Two choices. You can say libertarians is third party. There's other third parties. Ralph Nader and the Green Party and the Whig parties actually made a little bit of a comeback. Um, but uh, again, they're they're still the there's ballot access issues. I was on a radio show yesterday. Uh, Tim Bryant. I was speaking on behalf of Georgians for transportation freedom. And uh, Amanda Swafford, uh, who was the libertarian candidate for state for U.S. Senate this past year. Uh, was on and she did uh, very well talking about how Republicans and Democrats fight other parties to prevent them from getting on the ballot. And and that Georgia is the most difficult state in the nation for them to get on. And uh, again, that, that it's, it's like the good old boys club. And and part of my, part of this problem with Republicans that are acting like Democrats is half of them are Democrats. They just switch parties because, especially here in Georgia, because they figured, hey, you know, we've got a Republican governor in there now. Why don't I switch parties and that way I could probably get more legislation through if I have an R by my name. But deep down inside, I'm a big government Democrat. Uh, you think that's you think that's part of the problem, David? Too that, that that the Republicans didn't vet these folks from switching parties. We just said, "Hey, cool, we got a lot more Republicans here now." We uh, that limited government stuff, you know, that's lip service. We just we just like to talk about it, but in reality, we're big government ass. Sorry, I don't want to curse here. Big government um, a holes as well. No. I I think basically we have a one-party system, and instead of calling them the Republicans or the Democrats, it should just be the me party. What's going to be best for me? How am I going to take advantage of this for me? How is me going to win? How is me going to be reelected? How is me going to get more out of it? And I think, uh, you know, as soon as you win... I don't care from dog catcher up. I don't care what the title is. Yeah. Or president down. It doesn't matter. It's all about me and what I can get out of you mm-hmm. to keep me in office and pat you on the back so you'll keep me in my position. If you want to keep getting it under the table, then you got to take care of me. And you know, it's, you almost I sound like you're making a damn good case for term limits and. Uh, I, I wouldn't I, vote. I'm in the. Le- I'm not going to vote for term limits. I think, of course, I've been, uh, well, of course, no. Dave, you'll ne- you won't get the criminals to police themselves. Of course, that would never happen. That's why on a federal level, how are you going to get? How you? I'm well, far you. On how a you federal, gonna get on a federal level, unfortunately, we'd have to go the constitutional convention route, which I, again, I'm not a big supporter of that either. There's I just, less uh, snow in Boston than yeah, to get that done. Right. Well, and. <laughs> Or I believe you could pass something through the Senate and Congress to get an amendment, but um, the term limits would certainly take away some of the influence. There's an argument that says that that having term limits makes uh, legislators even more likely to be under the the public dole and and in private sector graft, which I, I don't agree with that at all because let's say I've been in power for 20 years. It's given me a long time to, to, to make uh, relationships, if you will, 
to cozy up to folks that will pad my bank accounts if I do a nod and a wink and help promulgate any of their approved legislation at any given opportunity. You're well, right. That's just, well, that's just me. But, you know, what, what do you think the chances of ever seeing term? Not in my I, I, lifetime. No, I mean, the thing we do have, actually, David, is we do see a lot more Republicans getting primaried. Uh, Eric Cantor lost to... Uh, uh, kind of a, a rookie Republican, and Eric Cantor was the, the House Majority Leader, so it's possible. It's possible. I, I will say that, that except, except, how many promises did we hear in October and November? And when I get there, I'm gonna beat the, you know, uh, <laughs> and I. I I haven't heard. Where is this stuff? Yeah, well, there, it, you know, it, it is going to take a little while. We're not going to get anything passed while. Ob- I mean, there's. A few things that we can work on. They they've done their little, you know, here be a good conservative and repe- vote to repeal Obamacare. But uh, the heavy lifting still needs to be done. I'm okay with giving them a couple more months to kind of understand. That's probably our 215 guest uh, there, David. We're going to be yeah, on with Michael we'll Harden from Americans for Prosperity. So let's go ahead and take our first break of the day. When we get back, we'll have Michael Harden, the director for Americans for Prosperity, on to talk about some of this graft we were referring to. We'll the see you in a minute. The Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time as I interview special guests that will inspire adventure and fitness for females. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And welcome back to Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on America's Web. Radio.com, we're on every week, Tuesdays from 2 to 3 p.m., bringing you the best in uh, conservative, limited government and uh, all the all the tenets that the Republican Party supposedly stands for, but they, they really like to betray them. And uh, on right now, we're joined by Michael Harden, who is the uh, State Director for Americans for Prosperity. Michael, welcome to Greg's List. How are you? I'm great, sir. How are you doing? Uh, well, I mean, I, I physically I'm fine. Mentally, basket case. Understood. Understood. <laughs> it's going around. Is it? Is it okay? So, so liberalism is a disease, and it seems like some of our our Republican brethren are are, are catching the contagion, if you will. Well, as it turns out, the big government frame of mind is something that is uh, is not specific to any one group. It turns out that uh, there's a lot of people that. Whether or not they like to believe that, they, uh, uh, they're moving in that direction. It's up to folks like us to keep them in check. Well, uh, you know, I prefaced Americans for Prosperity. Joel Aaron's been a, a good friend of mine for a long time, and he always corrects me and says that AFP is a nonpartisan group. And I got to say, I can't blame y'all. Watching some of the crap that's coming down the pipe uh, federally and, uh, and and locally in the state of Georgia from us, uh, quote unquote, Republicans, makes one want to form their own party. <laughs> Well, you know, what we're finding is that um, uh, there is so much move from parties to groups like ours because at the end of the day, you know, you invest your time and resources in one specific person or candidate, and uh, there's a chance you're going to be disappointed at some point. But when you join a group like Americans for Prosperity and you believe in the principles that we stand for and that we fight for every day of less government, lower regulation, uh, lower taxes, uh, those are things that people can get behind. And at the end of the day, regardless of who... uh, uh, who, who pushes for those things. So we're going to back the folks that are doing the right thing, and we're going to call out the folks that aren't. So uh, we're we're nonpartisan in that degree, but at the end of the day, it's all about our issues, and we're seeing a huge influx of uh, people joining our yeah. team as grassroots activists because they know at the end of the day uh, that we're, we're more concerned with the issues and the future of this country than any brand. Well, I gotta say, when I when I see the Democrats being stronger proponents of, of craft beer freedom in the state of Georgia, you know that's something I'm completely on board with them about. Uh, that's an issues base, and uh, you know, unfortunately, the, there are certain Republicans that are funded by these uh, powerful lobbyist groups, and they are willing to keep this this archaic three tier distribution system going. So I I can agree and accede your point that. Uh, you know, let's look at it on an issue by issue basis, and not try to line up uh, with with parties. Because whatever it says on paper that a party platform is, it it changes. Va- it, it, there's a vast change between what's on paper versus reality. That is so true. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's so many so many folks that stand up and say they're free market, that they're uh, open market. You know, whether it's breweries or whether it's uh, an automobile company or, or anything out there, at the end of the day. Our country is better, uh, and we frankly got where we are today uh, in a good sense uh, because of competition and because at the end of the day everyone had to uh, uh, eat what they killed, per se. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm okay with breweries, um, you know, being able to, to sell to the public just as I'm okay with a book publisher being able to sell a book and not having to go through a third party. At the end of the day, we're about free markets. And, uh, you know, you let these folks uh, rise and fall on their own merits. So. Uh, at AFP, we're okay with the craft brewery deal because it's it's not about the brewery, it's not about beer, it's not about any one product. It's about true open markets. 
Yeah, and it, it's it's the philosophy. And uh, as a as a somewhat devoted Republican, my devotions are are dwindling a little bit. But I'm still a staunch. Uh, since we we really are, only have a two party system, hopefully that one's going to be the path of least resistance, and we can change it organically. But uh, looking at it on an issue by issue basis, what's on Americans for Prosperity's radar? I wanted to congratulate AFP uh, for a lot of uh, contributions. In fact, they were a big time uh, supporter of Governor Walker's um, fight off against the recall. AFP was up there probably not campaigning directly for Scott Walker because they're, again, nonpartisan, but they had a big team up there campaigning about issues and trying to get some of the uh, labor union influence out of the public sector. And uh, Governor Walker right now is my front runner for president. So congratulations on that effort. What else do you guys have going on right now on, uh, on a federal level? Well, at the federal level, any uh, any number of things from uh, continuing uh, energy fights and uh, obviously with Obamacare, always fighting that fight to uh, to try to make sure that uh, the market is working for the people of this country. And we are all about expanding choices when it comes time for uh, people, whether they're picking their health care, uh, whether they're picking whether or not they want their union dues to be used uh, for uh, political activities. All of those things, at the end of the day, we're about uh, expanding, uh, you know, people's choice in the marketplace. And uh, I will tell you that as far as, uh, you know, from my perspective as the state director of Georgia, there's a number of issues with being in the legislative session. Uh, the one that has really risen to the top that's uh, gaining a lot of headlines right now is the uh, the transportation bill. Yeah, the uh, the transportation bill is certainly one that's uh, already going through some changes. I would I would bet that you guys are as happy as I am that they're looking at getting rid of this uh, five thousand dollar tax credit for um, <laughs> electric vehicles, which allows some people, some freeloaders, to be able to release a, a Nissan Leaf for free for two years. I think that's right. I, I don't know if that was the purpose of the legislation, but uh, again, unintended consequences. And Republicans and Democrats are smart people. If they can look at a tax code and manipulate it. Of course, of course, I'm going to buy a car that I can drive for free for two. We know it's not free. Somebody's right. paying for it. But uh, right. that uh, I'm sure you guys have looked at. Is that is that something that you guys support now? That's in the effort. Yeah. Well, what we did was, uh, you know, we don't really look at it as our prerogative or in our wheelhouse today at to determine uh, whether Georgia needs a billion for transportation infrastructure or two billion. So. We didn't really want to get any weeds in that. Uh, we took the professionals, uh, the engineers, the Department of Transportation. When when they said they needed 1.5 billion, we decided we were going to play on uh, we were going to play on that field and assume that it is 1.5. With that being the case, uh, our perspective was that there is plenty of fat in the state budget to find 1.5 billion dollars without raising taxes on Georgia families. And we have outlined a number of uh, different areas where we could do that. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm as conservative as it gets, frankly, but I think that infrastructure is a core responsibility of government. So I don't have a problem uh, with, with our state investing in infrastructure. I think it's, it's one of the few roles that government should, should be in the, in the uh, business of. But at the same time, uh, just like Georgia businesses and families, uh, you know, we, we elect our elected officials and send them to Atlanta to make tough decisions and to set priorities. Mm-hmm. And if they say they need $1.5 billion, then they need to do like the Georgia families do at their kitchen table every night. They need to go through their budget and find out where it's at. Because I can tell you that in my home, we could choose to eat out every night of the week. Uh, but, you know, two weeks into the month, our lights might get cut off. But that's that's a choice we could make. Uh, and I think that we should expect the same of our folks in Atlanta to uh, to make, you know, to set priorities and to determine where that money is going to come from. And 
the uh, the electric vehicle subsidy is, is a great place to start. Uh, there's the uh, uh, there's several others, including the Hollywood tax credit, where we are sending hundreds of millions of dollars every year to Hollywood uh, to prop up uh, an entertainment industry. Which you know, I enjoy TV and, and movies to some degree as much as a lot of folks, but at the same time, we shouldn't be sending that kind of money uh, to Hollywood. Uh, to prop up an industry when our roads and bridges are, are in the shape that they're telling us they're in. So there's a lot of different places we could grab the money, and the electric vehicle subsidy uh, is a great place to start. But we've got a long way to go on this bill to uh, to make sure that it's at, at, at worst tax neutral. Do, do you find it uh, troubling that the way they've tried to frame the argument is that it's not a tax increase, it's a reallocation of funds i um i'll tell you this i i voted uh i've never i don't sign any of these pledges where about never raising taxes again because it's just you're you're beholden to a a national group and not the state of georgia so i i typically like consumption-based taxes i actually voted yes for the east lost a couple years ago in dekalb county because it was one percent sales tax we'd had it six hundred million dollars over ten years I own several properties in DeKalb County. They're going to get the money one way or the other, and it's the way that they they get it is is how I like to be able to express my opinion. Are you? Does it concern you the way this some of the folks that have been advertising this thing have been? I think disingenuous about uh, it not being a tax increase. Well, I think that uh, the, the devil is always in the details, and yes, it, it does concern us when you uh, uh, when you have a bill that is as complicated and has as many legs as this one does, and it becomes a shell game, so to speak. Uh, you know, when you end up allocating existing local sales tax to, to redirect those from going to your local governments into the state, thus forcing local governments to raise taxes, it's hard to say that's a, that that's a tax cut. And a lot of municipalities and counties have now raised their hands and said, hey, we can't do without this revenue. We're inevitably going to raise taxes, uh, and so yeah, absolutely it concerns us. Uh, and you know, as far as what we're finding is when we're talking to the average voter, and that's that's primarily our job is to educate citizens uh, on the task, uh, both in Atlanta uh, mm-hmm. and our state capitals across the country, as well as in D.C. Uh, is to educate them on the issues. And when they when you boil it down for them and they see it for what it is, uh, they do to some degree uh, see it as a uh, slide of the hand. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, these folks uh, sit in traffic and they understand that, you know, there, there needs to be a solution. But at the same time, we could we could do this a lot simpler. I mean, you know, for for decades, the fourth penny of sales tax hasn't even went to transportation. So we've been <laughs> spending that money, sending it to the general fund. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden we, we poke our head up and say that, you know, our transportation's in dire shape where we've been spending transportation money on other things for decades. Right. And and that to me is is if if voters feel like they're educated on something, even if it is a tax increase, they 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 will sometimes vote for them to pitch in to the to the public trough and and, and trust the uh, our, our state officials to to be good stewards of the money. It happens all the time in Cobb County and, and some of the uh, local counties that will have these east blossoms and teas blossoms and individual things. So I think that honesty. It is the best policy with the voters. I, it, it is a very – the way they're trying to change it from the gas tax to an excise tax uh, is very complicated stuff. I think some legislators are even having trouble kind of getting their their heads around it and how they can properly uh, elocute it to, to explain it to voters. But what I look at is basically they're going to be saying that the local counties and cities will be the ones uh, responsible for whatever shortfall comes up. So they'll be the ones having to to raise taxes, not the state of Georgia. So it's a little bit of a nod and a wink to me. 
It, it is, and you know, I, I am all about, and so is AFP, as uh, close to a user fee as you can get. And and the the worst storm possible when it comes to these local governments is they end up with a shortfall, and rather than uh, tying it to a user fee like an excise tax, they decide to mess with the millage rate and raise people's property taxes. Uh, Someone, you know, a, a, a revenue generator that's not even tied to transportation, and so. Absolutely. Uh, the, those caveats are what really concern us. But, you know, when we look at it, the it is complicated, but there's there's fat in the budget and there's money out there. And we just have to uh, uh, to set our priorities right and make sure that at the end of the day uh, that our elected officials are being good stewards. And, you know, at AFP, we're not beholden to anyone except the taxpayers of the state. Well, let's um, is, uh, let's talk about where some of these other opportunities for uh, for fat in the budget are. Let's go if you can hold on for a couple minutes. We'll take our two thirty uh, commercial break or our mid program commercial break, depending on what time of day you're actually listening to this. But uh, I hear a lot of people say there is no fat in the budget, and I have a feeling that you disagree with that. So we'll be back in a couple minutes with Michael Harden, State Director of Americans for Prosperity, on Greg's list. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not. You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Elena George with your health tip of the day. Did you know that dizziness may be a sign of heart disease, iron deficiency, high or low blood pressure, low blood sugar, or an inner ear infection? Dizziness can be take the form of a spinning sensation, also known as vertigo, or a feeling of lightheadedness. The individual can also feel faint or have a rapid heartbeat. If you take high blood pressure medication, remember to take the medication daily as directed to control your blood pressure. Diabetics must remember to eat after taking their medication and to eat at regular intervals. If you have anemia, make sure to take a multivitamin that contains iron and to eat vegetables such as spinach. Dizziness after a cold or flu may be due to a virus. If you have dizziness, it is important to see your doctor for a complete physical examination. Please join me Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call. This is Dr. Elena George. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And welcome back to Greg's Aslive, the home of serious journalism only on America's Web Radio.com. We are joined by Americans for Prosperity right now. Michael Harden, the state director for the great state of Georgia. Uh, Michael, we were talking about uh, the transportation, the need for the state to raise a billion plus in revenue. And you said there's some fat in the budget that they should be looking at first. And I certainly agree that uh, there's fat in the budget, there's corporate welfare that we We've already discussed as far as the uh, film credits and the electric vehicle credits, and I'm sure there's a litany of those. But let's look at, at, at the actual budget, which is about $21 billion a year plus federal funds. We can probably cut the uh, – well, I mean, we can only have a purview over this, what, what the state a- allocation that is, which is about $21 billion. What is on your radar as far as what we can uh, cut? Well, you know, I served two terms uh, as a representative from uh, 09 through 12, and I can tell you that when I first got there in 09, we were in the uh, the downturn, and we cut state government by 23%, uh, and it's it slowly creaked back up to, uh, I think we got it down to 15 or $16 billion. It's now back up to $21 billion because uh, inevitably government spends what it brings in, and as revenues go up, they find a place to, to put the money. Uh, but, you know, just talking without even any state agencies, uh, just looking at some low-hanging fruit and assuming that a billion dollars is the number, the fourth penny that we currently uh, currently collect on uh, the gas tax uh, that does not go to transportation is worth $180 million a year. There's your $180 million. You have, uh, by conservative estimates, at least $200 million a year uh, for the Georgia Film Tax Credit. Uh, we, have, uh, uh, we have decided uh, uh, in Georgia to pick a winning airline uh, that, that takes anywhere from 30 to 60 million a year, uh, and, and that's right off the bat. That's before we even talk about, uh, you know, zero-based budgeting when it comes to the Department of Transportation. One thing that the legislature did a few years back was uh, implement zero-based budgeting, requiring every state agency once every five years to bring their budgets back to zero and justify every penny in their budget. That way, you don't end up just having this snowball effect of state government where, mm-hmm. you know, every agency gets last year's budget plus the rate of inflation of 5% or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I just outlined in three separate measures right there a half a billion, and that's before we even start combing through the Department of Transportation with over 4,000 employees, uh, not to mention the other uh, couple of dozen state agencies. So, uh, you know, it, it, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a tall order, and frankly, I look at this transportation bill as an opportunity for real conservatives to uh, comb through the, the budget and uh, and be proud that they can find a billion in things that uh, that frankly don't line up with uh, responsible government. Hmm. Well, I um, I think that's a great challenge too. The uh, um, you know with the zeal to raise taxes or to foist the tax raising mechanism on somebody else seems like that's the uh, the the current soup of the day. But uh, you're saying that. You know, in your experience of three or four years in the legislature, that you're able to name almost a half uh, billion dollars right there. So I think that's a great starting point. And, you know, government is really poor at picking winners and losers. I mean, you just, you don't have to go back very far to pick up a name like Solyndra. I mean, the very fact that Georgia has been given a tax credit to electric vehicles that don't buy gasoline, therefore they don't contribute to the gas tax or the excise tax, but yet, a 2,000-pound electric vehicle has the same amount of wear and tear on our roads and bridges as a gas car. And so yep. that's, a, that's a prime example where government has tried to pick winners and losers, and it once again backfired. And we need to get out of that model. Uh, we need to uh, pull the plug on uh, <laughs> uh, subsidizing electric vehicles. If, if the market can sustain them and the market wants them, they'll, they'll be there. 
but, you know, by simply doing some of those things, uh, we could very easily get to a point to where we have the finest roads in the country, but we're doing so in a conservative and responsible manner. Right. Well, let's, um, let's talk about the influence of lobbyists as far as bills getting written. Um, I, I think that we've got a really good, uh, good example of that right now with House Bill 224, which would effectively ban Lyft and Uber, the popular rideshare services in the state of Georgia. Um, this is an issue that I think is uh, uh, extremely uh, controversial. The Uber and Lyft have come in and disrupted the traditional taxi cab model. And there are some questions that, that are legitimate ones from a legislative perspective. Uh, I've seen that where they think that Uber and Lyft drivers should have to uh, go through fingerprint background checks. And I, I don't have a huge problem with something like that. But what I do have a problem with is trying to voice the same draconian regulations that have made taking a cab in Atlanta a third world experience and trying to voice those on Uber and Lyft, namely the medallion system or the certificate of public necessity. I don't know how much more Soviet you can get with something called a certificate of public necessity, but but here we are. That's what they're called. Basically, uh, counties and municipalities and cities, they, they can issue... Uh, rights to provide transportation services and they can issue as little or as many as they wish to. Whoever wants to kiss the ring and what it what it turns into is, is cab companies can't operate in every part of uh, Metro Atlanta. And uh, I, I don't know if you've been looking at this uh, issue, but I think it should definitely be on uh, AFP's radar. It absolutely, it's on our radar, and again, it is. Uh, you know, it comes down to government not being very good at picking winners and losers. And uh, you know, we're not endorsing uh, Lyft or, or Uber or any specific company. I can tell you that that I've taken Uber numerous times, and I love the service, uh, and I know what I'm getting. And uh, the technology behind that company is is a true testament as to why they're, frankly, probably one of the fastest growing companies in the country. And their their uh, approval, I think, across all of those companies you named. Uh, is very very high, yeah. and that's you know that's a, that's the market working. That is that is an entrepreneur at some point in time deciding that uh, that they had an alternative to the status quo, and they risked their capital, they risked their time. Uh, goodness knows what they invested, uh, and they took a risk, and the risk paid off. And uh, at the end of the day, I don't think it's anyone's prerogative under the gold dome to uh, to be trying to pick the winners and losers. If it's such a bad service. And if it's so dangerous, uh, people won't subscribe. People won't put put money in those companies. And uh, as a as a consumer, uh, I, I like thinking that I have there. The, the yeah. last day as to those Well, I think this this also dovetails in with the transportation because the Democrats obviously want more and more taxes, they, and they don't like flat taxes or consumption taxes. Democrats, I, I, I got to say, I got you give you got to give the Democrats credit; they are far more honest with the their their wants and desires to tax the rich and 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 do the tax and spend policies. At least they're upfront about it. We I don't agree that those policies work, but at least you know what you're getting with. Them, they want to raise taxes and, and and spend more on transit, and obviously that can be a black hole of Calcutta as far as waste and, sure. and money and not getting any uh, ROI or return on investment. But what I see is uh, companies like Uber and Lyft, and there's another one called Sidecar out in California that might be headed this way. There's a lot of these companies that are growing up, and, and a lot of folks that, that are used to using a smartphone app and trust a company with their credit card info on file. These companies actually kind of connect the dots 
spots for transportation. Uh, MARTA, I, I use MARTA as often as I can, but frankly, people in Cobb County, Gwinnett County, and other parts of Metro Atlanta refuse to allow it to go up there. And in order to really solve traffic issues in the state of Georgia, you actually have to get cars off the road. You actually have to change behavior. And, you, you know, we, we have people in Lawrenceville that 40 miles away from downtown Atlanta that, that choose to commute every day because they don't want to, you know, go to Doraville and take MARTA down there. And, and MARTA really doesn't have much access when you get off one of the trains. You have to get on a bus. It's just not a very fluid system. So, company, so companies like Uber and Lyft can create that final step for you to get to your final destination, and then they do it in a reliable fashion. So I, I really look at those companies as an opportunity for us to, to make an interconnected system without having to build tons of new rail tracks. Sure, sure. And you, since you brought up transit, I mean, that's another part of the current transportation bill that's being proposed mm-hmm. is to, to spend $100 million on transit that's going to be collected at the gas pump. So you're going to be asking people... <laughs> that are motorists uh, for their gas tax not to go to roads and bridges, but yet to go to, uh, to, to transit. And, you know, at AFP, we're not opposed to transit. I mean, I, I take transit uh, uh, when I'm in D.C. and, you know, and, and deals like that. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's convenient and I, as a consumer I decide that it's uh, the best option that I have is the one that I want to make, then mm-hmm. so be it. But a lot of the reasons that people don't take transit uh, is because for them it's just not convenient. I mean, mm-hmm. Atlanta is an incredibly spread out city. Uh, probably one of the more spread out cities in the country of its size. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, the market should be driving those things. If someone wants to take Uber or Lyft, let them. If they want to take a cab, they want to, uh, you know, sit on the highway uh, in, in traffic in, a, in an SUV that's burning 10 miles to the gallon, <laughs> that's fine too. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, paying for these things as close to the actual action as you can, like an excise tax, is the most responsible thing. And frankly, um, you know, if you if you want America to grow, if you want America to prosper, uh, you got to get out of the way and and let these folks take some risk and uh, uh, you know and let's get back into the boom of when we're creating jobs and uh, and growing this economy. And you don't do that by government putting uh, chains and shackles on businesses. You do that by getting out of the way and letting the market work. Right, and, and, and what I see is just a big influence of special interest money, and this is. Uh, you know, this is something that, that that came up with the Citizens United decision that um, uh, the Democrats and Obama you just hate that it allows uh, almost unlimited money to go to uh, political campaigns. They do have to have stricter disclosures for uh, for folks in the state. But you know, I'm looking at uh, some some donations last year that went to the lead sponsor, Alan Powell from Hartwell, Georgia, Republican that are specifically from several taxi cab companies and lobby associations. And then he comes out with this bill, House Bill 224, which is it, it looks like it's written by the taxi cabs. And I, I have a, a problem. I mean, that, that certainly looks like a, a, a bill was bought and paid for, doesn't it? Well, you know, one could, one could potentially draw that conclusion. I will tell you that, uh, you know, the thing that, the thing that really stands out to me is as voters... <clears throat> We have access to that information, and we can see it for what it is. Uh, um, I know, I know, Alan, and I don't know his, you know, I don't know his heart or his intentions, but I know that that's a bad deal, uh, and I know that it's a bill that uh, that it doesn't need to move forward in the process because, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's like asking McDonald's if Burger King can move in next door. <laughs> uh, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, McDonald's is better because Burger King moves in, and vice versa, and. Uh, you want to make taxi cabs, you know, in the taxi industry stronger, bring some competition in. And, 
you know, you see that in cities. If we're just talking taxes, you see that in cities where they're very diversified in their taxi companies and the way that they, you know, hand out the medallions, as you call them, and whatnot. Uh, you see um, modern vehicles, cleaner vehicles, much more professional service. Uh, but in a lot of parts of this country, in a lot of parts of Georgia and Atlanta, you may not have that level. Uh, and people choose to uh, uh, to go with some of these other companies. And frankly, uh, you know, in my Uber experience, it's not that they're the low bidder. Uh, a cab, you know, I'd say more often than not, it's probably been cheaper. Uh, but with Uber, I know what I'm getting. And, uh, and and as a consumer, I'm willing to pay that. All right. Well, listen, let's take our final break here. wanted to wrap up with a couple other topics with you. We had emailed back and forth, so if you can hold on for a couple minutes, we'll sure. uh, wrap up for our final segment here on Greg's List, finishing up with Michael Harden from Americans for Prosperity. This is Tracy Pearson at Prissy Tomboy. Are you looking for a way to inspire your pre-teen to teen girl to get outside and play? Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you were able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will continue to rise while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We are committed to working with you. We specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage. And we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com on every Tuesday from 2 to 3 p.m. replays later in the week. We are finishing up with Michael Harden from Americans for Prosperity, the state director and a former uh, house rep in the state of Georgia. See, I didn't even know that about you. So you, you bring an extra level of expertise to all this budgetary talk. So that's, I, that's I don't great. know if expertise is the right word, but I do bring a certain level of concern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. I uh, the solar freedom. Um, this is another issue that you know the the Georgia Power doesn't uh, necessarily like solar power coming in. The folks at the solar power uh, or the solar Georgians for solar freedom, they don't want any corporate welfare. They just want the ability to compete. Is this something that y'all have been looking at uh, with a little bit stronger? This, uh, sure. Okay. We in, we support competition. Uh, you know, I, I think that the day is coming. I mean, we you look at a you look at it on paper over the last twenty years, solar has gotten cheaper and cheaper, uh, and and a lot of that 
has been driven because of uh, you know the education of the public and, and you know some social uh, decisions that people have made and whatnot and and uh, you know we're starting to see that that's an industry that's picking up uh, but at the end of the day it's really picking up uh, and we're seeing the most room for growth in that industry uh, where the government's not involved in that process mm-hmm. and I think that uh, is you know I think the price is inevitably going to come down and, and we're not for or opposed to solar uh, but we think that it's it should be a part of a much larger portfolio, just like uh, a lot of energy, uh, uh, you know, availability and making sure that at the end of the day we're right. energy reliant, and, and I think that's the solution. Right, and that's something that, uh, again, can drive down the cost of uh, oil and gas, which everybody now is happier. Uh, they say the average American with the gas prices down, which this, I want to make sure people understand, this has nothing to do with President Obama's policies. He and it, it, he would like to see gas prices go up, actually. He's been on record saying that many, many times. Um, he, In fact, federal production, uh, oil production on federal lands is actually down 10%. The whole reason prices are down so much is because there's a little bit lower demand internationally, and we've built up a lot of our own private sector development with uh, fracking and some of the other programs that are going on in uh, the Midwest. Uh, there's a there's an old saying in the banking industry that the time to apply for credit is when you don't need it. And, and the, the thinking is, well, if I don't really need the credit right now, then that's, that's a good time because I don't look desperate to the bank. And I, I use that analogy to say the time to build the Keystone Pipeline is now because the cost of construction is going to be far cheaper with the cheaper gas. And us not necessarily needing it right this second means we can take the time to put in the proper safety protocols. Again, that's a private sector development that would create private sector jobs. The Obama administration has fought it tooth and nail. The point is, once gas prices get back onto a regular track, if they start going back up, we'll have that in place, and we need to be prepared for all aspects. And oil is certainly not going away anytime soon as a medium for, for energy production, but having solar into the equation, I think, helps out a lot. We saw what happened. You mentioned Solyndra earlier. Uh, that was a $535 million investment in a California company, which also happened to be a lot of Barack Obama donors that were the people behind it, and that $535 million disappeared faster than a Twinkie at Michael Moore's house. So we had a big problem with that and what the solar uh, freedom movement in georgia does they don't want any corporate welfare so i that's i'm thinking that any company that wants to have comp to add competition and choice that doesn't demand credits for their ingenuity is a good thing to for us to have absolutely and you know and it's not going to be for everyone i mean my understanding is that the average cost of uh a hundred percent return on a solar array on your rooftop for you know an average residence will be somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five thousand dollars. Now, granted, you would see the return of that over numerous years, but I'm no expert in that field. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I commend any company that's not bellying up to the trough looking for uh, for more corporate handout of the of the taxpayer. Uh, whether you choose to drive an electric car or a, a gasoline powered car, or a natural gas car, or whatever the case may be, or you choose to have solar or not have solar. At the end of the day, America's better, and uh, Georgia families in particular are better, the more choices that they have at their disposal. Uh, and let those folks make those decisions and drives innovation. Uh, I mean, when you talk about, you know, whether you're talking uh, solar or any other industry out there, innovation is the key. And the only way you get innovation is that you get government out of that index and you make sure that uh, uh, consumers are driving that argument 
uh, and you'd be amazed at the uh, the type of recovery we could have if we would just get out of the way and let these entrepreneurs do what they do. Now, now does AFP generally uh, support the uh, the fair tax movement, uh, the simplification of the tax code? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys do, but uh, is that some is that what y'all do? Y'all ever support those efforts on the federal or a state level? I don't know that we've ever taken a a specific stance on the you know trademark term the fair tax that's you know the the one that you're specifically talking yeah. about. However, we are all about uh, uh, simplification of the tax code and uh, some of the draconian uh, things that are in there. I mean, no, you know, the fact that the average American uh, couldn't do their own taxes is pretty appalling, <laughs> uh, and the fact that the tax code has grown to what it is. Uh, it's clearly a document that government is in charge of. You can tell by looking at it and the size of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are all about the simplification of the tax code. And at the end of the day, making sure that people know exactly what they're getting uh, and that, uh, you know, we're not saying that there's not the core functions of government. We, we one wholeheartedly believe that there are. Uh, but there's also a lot of things that government do that they should be involved in, like picking your, your health care provider. Uh, so if we would get out a lot of those things, that in itself would... Uh, simplify the tax code. Yeah, well, I'm looking at uh, what is an impending tax disaster with uh, all these Obamacare subsidies. Uh, how close are you watching this King versus Burwell case, which would basically outlaw uh, these federal sub- taxpayer, like you could call them federal subsidies, but who pays for that? It's the taxpayers, you and me and, and other folks in the country. So, and, and which would outlaw um the subsidies for this for the Obamacare health policies in states that had not set up their own, which is about thirty six states right now. It would it would basically gut the core of Obamacare. How closely are you guys watching that case? Well, we have experts that are that are on top of it. Uh, I, for one, am, am not as smart as a lot of people, so I, I'm familiar <laughs> with the case. But uh, it would be uh, uh, it wouldn't be responsible for me to comment on some of the details. I will tell you that. Uh, you know, Obamacare and, and in a lot of states, we've even seen by Republican governors as of late that are trying to expand Medicaid in their mm-hmm. states. I know Indiana with Governor Mike Pence has been dealing with that issue as well as uh, in Tennessee. They had yep. a Medicaid expansion that was defeated in committee last week where we actually sent some of our Georgia team up there to, uh, to knock on doors and educate the voters. And in fact, they ended up killing one of the, uh, uh, the governor's uh, key cornerstone issues of this year, and that was expanding Medicaid. So, uh, you know, it's alive and well, and it doesn't just belong to Democrats. Republicans are trying the same mm-hmm. antics. They're just trying to yeah. come up with a cleverer name. But uh, ha- has, you know, has Lamacare is what I saw for the Tennessee. Right, right, right. And, and that's where, you know, that's the, the huge benefit. And, and having been someone that, that was in the legislature and was in those uh, was in those meetings and whatnot, I can tell you that an organization like Americans for Prosperity, where in Georgia we have over 64,000 uh, grassroots activists, and these aren't just people that we have their name. These are people that have taken an action with AFP to stand up for economic freedom in this state, in this country. And, you know, when we're able to go down there and to uh, talk to these legislators about making sure that the transportation funding bill is tax neutral to make sure that we don't expand Medicaid, the more folks that we have in our corner mm-hmm. uh, that we can go and stand before those folks representing over 64,000 folks, uh, you know, I have I have a lot of hope for this country uh, just by the mere fact of, you know, we have folks that are that are teenagers involved in AFP Georgia, and we have uh, you know well into their nineties that I know that are that are involved in some degree or the other because they still love this country and they feel like that our best days aren't behind us. But at the same time, 
we have to work as hard and as fast as we can to get this, uh, as my grandpa would say, to get the wagon out of the ditch. Well, what you're saying is Americans for Prosperity is not a hashtag campaign, like bring back our girls or don't burn right. people. <laughs> yes, and, and we're in this for the long haul. That's the that's the thing that, that really differentiates us and separates us from all these other groups. Is we're not just about this campaign. We're not just about this election. This is a long-term investment. We have full-time staff with multiple offices in Georgia. We're here for the long term. As long as there's a gold dome in Atlanta that, that is making decisions for us and our families, ASP Georgia is going to be there, and we're going to be making sure that they're listening to the taxpayers. And so if, if someone has $5 or if they have five minutes uh, to give to a cause, I can assure you that Americans for Prosperity is a great investment. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a responsibility that we all take very, very seriously, uh, and we're all about return on investment as well, and I can assure you that uh, for the time and, and resources that are put in, the return that we've gotten on the benefit and uh, on the behalf of the Georgia taxpayer is, uh, is is unparalleled. Now, if I wanted to sign up for, I'm already signed up. But if I wanted to sign up, first time I've ever heard of AFP, I like listening to this Michael Harden character. He seems like he knows what he's doing. Where do I go to to sign up? It's it's simple. It's uh, if you're online, it's American for Americans for Prosperity dot org. Um, and then on there you can you can go and look at Georgia, or you can just do AmericansForProsperity.org slash Georgia. And then we're also on all the social medias. We're on Twitter, uh, which is at AFP Georgia, and then we're on Facebook as well, which is AFPGA. AFPGA. Yes, sir. I like that a lot. Well, listen, I uh, appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day today. Good news is this will be replayed and the podcast will be up, so it will be stored for posterity. We've got a very busy session. A lot of folks want to want to steal a bunch of your rights and freedoms in America, and I'm, I'm proud that I've been able to get to know you and Joel Aaron over the years and uh, as, as we fight together, as we fight big government and special interests and lobbyists. So I appreciate you calling in today, Michael. And as always, thank you guys for listening, and uh, go to Americans for Prosperity. See how you can get involved. Join 64,000 other grassroots individuals that are fighting for individual liberty and uh, at least some accountability for your hard-earned tax dollars. We'll see you next week on Greg's List, 2 to 3 p.m. on Tuesdays. Replays at 6 p.m. You can also find me at gregslistlive.blog.com. We are having um, the Atlanta Young Republicans have a happy hour at Old Blind Dog Tavern on Thursday and the Buck Springs Breakfast at the Fulton County GOP with Sam uh, Teasley and Josh McCoon on Saturday morning. We'll hope to see you at one of these events. Thanks. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.